Hello, I'd like to welcome everyone to We Go Again podcast. Christian Smith sitting here in Abingdon this week. And here in West London, it's me, Rob Overfield. Looking forward to another night of all kinds of football. And here in Berkshire, it's me, James Barclay. Uh, slightly envious that me and Rob are just always in the same old place while Christian goes around travelling. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's been another quiet week in this close season, hasn't it? Well, well, that's the thing, because the season's not really finished. We're, eagle-eyed, or eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed listeners will notice it's the wrong day because it's coming out on Thursday. Um, because football's not stopped. We've got three major tournaments going on at the moment, the African Cup of Nations, we've got the Cup of America, and we've got uh, the Women's World Cup. And because of this, and pre-season starts a week on Saturday for Trinity. <laughs> so this this is this is just crazy. Um, I, but yeah, but that's the thing, isn't it? Because but it what the it it does seem stupidly early. But of course, in non-league, the, the league finishes in April, doesn't it? So it, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of a gap between seasons, it's not it's not unusual. It's just the timings of it. But the official start of most of the le- the Premier League uh, the Premier League campaigns pre-seasons mm. um, start two weeks on Saturday. Oh, that is up for them. Yeah, it is, isn't it? No, n- normally it's obviously it's going to be youth teams going around to the local yeah, and, yeah. and the under-21s mm-hmm. going around. But uh, mm-hmm. like Liverpool are playing Dortmund and it's the Liverpool first team because it's the uh, ramp up the um, supporters in America on the 20th of July. Mm. So there is, it's still fairly early. And like with you, Rob, you must be getting started and ready for next... Uh, Ready for next week when your guys Hampton are back on the back on the ball again? Yeah, it's a case of the first night of pre-season training is tomorrow. The first pre-season fixture is the first weekend in July, so that's going to be about ten days. So yeah, everything's yeah. starting to come together. Unless you're a Newcastle manager. <laughs> hmm, true. What's one of those? <laughs> well, <laughs> this is the thing. How can you, how can you lose somebody as good as Rafa Benitez? Because mm. your club's run by an idiot. Well, he, but that's the thing, isn't it? He's not an idiot. He's in a, he on the high street. He's an amazing businessman. But is he? Is he though? That's... Well, I mean, to be, you know, he's, he's he's sports direct chain. I mean, that was that was almost genius. Was setting up a, a business like that to sell end of line stock and last season's stock, a lot or last year's stock or whatever, to sell it cheaper because people will buy it. And you know, he's bought. Is it Debenhams and House of Fraser recently? So, you know, he buys businesses when they're on their arse and, you know, presumably will make a profit on them. Fortunately, he buys a well-run football club and then puts it on its arse. So I don't, I, I don't understand how he, how he runs the two things. So polar opposite. I mean, as you say, he is, Rafa is, what, the best manager they've had in probably in my lifetime, and I'm 40. I mean, I don't know their whole history, of, but I'm guessing we're going, would you count, Bobby, I suppose, Bobby Robson? Yeah, uh, that was the name be, I was thinking. Yeah, would be the only one. Uh, Kevin Keegan, to a certain extent, was, <laughs> was was loved by the fans, even if he didn't really bring the success. But Rafa's, Rafa's got a mid-table championship squad to survive in the Premier League twice. And, you know, that is that is as good as for Newcastle is what Guardiola has done at Man City, what Klopp has done at Liverpool, what Pochettino mm-hmm. has done at Tottenham. It's an unbelievable achievement with what he's had to work with. Um, and I, I've 
I listen to like Five Live a lot, and I listen to podcasts, and they've all, they've all seemed to think that he would re he would resign, he would extend, and I just all along I've said he won't, he will go because this takeover from Man City's owner's cousin or whatever whoever it is, I don't think that's going to go through. Um, it would potentially look like it definitely isn't now that Rafa's gone, yeah, or, or is going because surely you would want him to stay if you were coming in. He's a world class manager. You might not always like the style of football he plays, but he plays to what to the squad he's got. He didn't play the same style of football that he's playing at Newcastle when he was at Liverpool because he had an infinitely better squad and he had Fernando Torres up front and they were just swashbuckling and you know you know and were really good to watch. So he's he's playing tactics to suit what he's got. You give him money to spend, build his squad, and he will you know he will he will deliver. Um, so it's I just. How you let it get to the stage where he walks out on a on a at the end of his contract is it's it's embarrassing and I I would go on record now and as I say we are what the 26th of June so we have no idea who's coming in um, <coughs> but I would go on record now and I will say that Newcastle will go down. Well, that's that's well, going to be the thing. Mm, mm. I mean, I think part of the problem is that Mike Ashley. Um, seems to keep, appears to keep a very tight hold on the money that's spent in terms of strengthening the squad. Yeah, it's because he's spending it all yeah. buying department stores. I don't know what he's spending it on, but the thing is, what club, you know, with a manager like Rafa Benitez, can, you know, how can you expect them to have to do things on the cheap like, you know, some of the other clubs in the Premier League have to do? And, um, yeah. It just shouldn't be happening. If he want, if Mike Ashley wants Newcastle to be a successful club and he wants them to win competitions and bring trophies back, unfortunately, he's going to have to put the money on the table. And if he's not willing to put money on the table for whoever's he manages to do it, then I'm sorry, it's going to be very hard for him to actually get that success he craves. He's wanting to basically have a top-flight club on the cheap despite his wealth and, you know, everything that he's generated to Sports Direct and others. It's just, as, as you say, James, it just doesn't make any kind of sense. You know, how is he managing to run one business successfully but can't run a football club? What is it with some businessmen that think because they can run a business, running a football club should be easy? We've seen that too many times at too many clubs in the last 20 years. That's what it is. Well, business, I think business, businessmen may be able to run their business, but they sometimes don't get a grasp of how a football club should be run as well. I, I, just just one one thing that I would contest there is mm. he doesn't actually want them to be successful and win trophies. As long as they stay in the Premier League, he's happy because he's creaming in the, the Sky money and the Premier League mm. money so he can go out and buy another failing department store, which mm. is commendable because he's saving people's jobs. on the, As I say, on the high street, He's quite clearly a brilliant businessman. I don't understand how he hasn't transferred that into football club ownership. I just, I don't, I mean, he would have passed with flying colours, these fit and whatever tests they had in mm. place 10, 12 mm. years ago, because they would have said, well, look at his sports direct chain. The, you know, as I said earlier, the, it's close to genius for me that he found a niche in the market and he has blown it wide open. He's, you know, he, it's, it was a brilliant business idea. And he's, mm. he's raking it in. And so he would have passed with flying colours because he would have said, well, he cares about business. He cares about, you know, 
profitability and all that, so he will run a club well. And he just hasn't. And no. he, he he makes this mistake as well. It, coming up to every transfer window, be it the summer or the January window, he comes out and says there's a takeover close. Every time. He did it in January with um, the Peter Kenyon one, I think. He did it in the summer was it with the Amanda Stavely one, I think. He's done that a couple of times. And he's did it again coming up to... Um, summer now saying the um the man city family member was getting involved and it's gone dead i don't know whether it's just happening quietly behind the scenes like a takeover should and we should only know about it when it happens but i find it hard to believe that if that takeover was going through that they wouldn't want benitez there for at least another season just mm. to just to st- just to keep the ship on course keep them up for another season and then they could say right thank you very much rafa here's your contract paid up you're a, you know, you're a club legend. The fans love you. We're going in a different direction. I, mm. I don't understand it. I mean, from Rafa's point of view, from what I understand, listening to people that are more in the know up in the uh, up in the northeast, he didn't have a problem with the terms of his money. I, as far as I'm aware, from what I've heard, there was no pay rise for him in the deal that was on the table, and that was fine with him. He didn't he didn't mind about that. It was the things that go along with it. It was. The, uh, the transfer budget, it was who makes the signings, how much control does Rafa have over the signings. It, mm. it was things like that that have, that have if, you know, this, this contract has been on the table for a year and he's just not managed to get what he wants in terms of, mm. for want of a better word, the admin side of it. The, mm. the, the terms were never an issue and they have, they have dropped an absolute, you mm. know what, in, uh, in letting him go. They, I mean, they have, but it seems to be a trend with football clubs these days, not allowing the manager to have the final say over what players are signed. It's almost as if the owners are saying, you just stick to running the, just coaching the team and make them be- making them better players. We'll do everything else. You'll be, it should be all right with the players we get you. Or they get ahead of, um, I can't remember the titles I've heard, but, you know, not head of scouting, but, you know, you know, He's all the these of, people. It's head of recruitment these days. Yeah, it? it's, it's you know, it's head of player like recruitment, and you know, it's a case or of instead of instead of the football. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the manager being in charge of the scouting network, and you know, and getting making all the decisions, there's somebody else doing that over his head. And it's one thing, I guess, if you're open, if you you know, you're taking your first steps in management, and you're not in quite entirely sure, you haven't quite got the connections, you're not. You know, you haven't got the, you haven't developed that now about pick about signing a player, picking the ones that are going to fit your style of player you want to play. It, there's an element of sense in that, but when you get somebody of Rafa Benitez in his quality, his experience, let's not forget he's been a manager of bigger clubs with bigger responsibilities than what he's been allowed at Newcastle. And if Newcastle are saying, sorry, we'll, you know, we'll have the final say on what players you can buy and what players you can bring into the club, that must have been almost like a slap in the face to him. You know, he's done it at Liverpool, he was successful there. James, just remind me which club, other clubs he's, he's been in um, charge of in Europe. I in Europe, been... he's done, well, Valencia, he was Valencia, absolutely yeah. brilliant at Valencia. Um, yeah. Inter Milan um, and obviously Real Madrid for an ill-fated spell uh, where he engaged in a political war by um, picking Mm. a team that was deliberately lose the Clasico. Um, They got absolutely smashed 4-0 at the Bernabeu by Barcelona and Mm. he basically picked a team that 
sent a message to the president and that was that was him done for and then he ended up at newcastle yeah. uh, so so he's me, got an amazing track record as he said at far yeah, bigger clubs far bigger clubs with far more at stake you know you're real madrid you're one of the biggest clubs not just in europe in the world and yeah okay it didn't quite work out for him but he was you know i suspect he had the responsibilities there to build the team but newcastle is saying and that sorry we don't think you can do we don't trust this deal we won't have the final say it's basically the board saying we're putting the money in or in this case mike ashley we're putting the money in we're going to say how you're going to spend it and for a manager with his you know with what he's demonstrated over the years that must just have you know it'd be, it'd be a bit like you know asking him to you know run a sunday league team from 100 miles away you know and in case of that's not his way He's hands-on. He likes to pick the players that he believes will fit. Having a third party do it, you know, and not letting him have the final say. I'm sorry, but I don't agree with this at football clubs for managers like that. It's, just, I... basic, it's just basic control of the money. That's all it is. Yeah, just I'm just looking uh, on on odds checker at, at certain things, and we'll I'm I'm sure we'll come on to who's in the running for the Newcastle job. But Rafa Benitez is currently six to one second favourite to be the next Barcelona manager. Now Barcelona have got a manager, and yet Benitez is still in the running for that job. He is now immediately in the running at second favourite for the Chelsea job, which I don't understand because he's already been there. Um, he was only an interim manager, though. He, he yeah, didn't, he didn't but stay for they didn't particularly like him, did they, the Chelsea <laughs> fans? Um, <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he's going to walk into, you know, apologies, Newcastle fans, but he's going to walk into a better club because, you know, he's he's out there now in terms of world-class managers that are available and on the market. Are, he's, he's right up there at the top oh, of that list. Yeah. Um, I mean... If, I suppose you'd have to include Mourinho on that. I don't rate him, but um, and Max Allegri, the uh, ex uh, Juventus manager, he would be up on that list. I think Ancelotti mm-hmm. as well is unemployed. I think. Um, just as yeah. an aside, I'm just look, as I said, for some reason, Luis Enrique is in the running to be the next Chelsea manager. He's just resigned from <laughs> Spain because of personal reasons. So. Mm. How how does that work? Um, because personal reasons normally are we can't think of anything else to say. No, he's got a, he's got a really something really bad going on in his family at the minute. Um, but apparently, all the journalists they all moved to London. <laughs> no, there's, there's there is something really really not nice happening in his family at the minute. And apparently, all the media and all the press in Spain know about it, but they're keeping it quiet. They're actually respecting his privacy, which. I don't really know why they've suddenly got an attack of morals, but fair play to them. Um, would never happen in this country, James. No, it wouldn't <laughs> normally happen in Spain. It's, a, it's an absolute goldfish bowl. Um, but just going back to the topic at hand, uh, Newcastle, I mean, it could bizarrely work out quite well when you look at the list of the people that are... Before we do that, can I, just, can I just interrupt, James, before we move on to who's going to be the next manager? Of course you can. You've been extolling, you and uh, Rob have been extolling the virtues of Mike Ashley as a businessman. Oh, here we go. You're going to blow that out of the water, are you? <laughs> no, of course he will. Of course he will, James. No. <laughs> He's running Newcastle like he runs the rest of his businesses. He's making a profit, which is the first rule of business, make your profit. Mm-hmm. And so he's not... He's running the business the same as everything else. He's monitoring those cash flow... And allegedly, um, 
in 2018, I'm just trying to, I just skipped past down the wrong thing. So they made, last year, they made, they're about to announce the results, so it'll be the end of this year, uh, end of this month, uh, when the results are announced, so maybe a couple of months down the line, but the year runs to that, so I can only show you 2018. They made a profit of 18 and a half million quid, and that's a profit. So that's the, that's the part that he's a businessman and so they've sold players they've bought players and this what is what it comes down to is that he's controlling who they're buying and selling because i'm pretty certain that's exactly what he does at sports direct that's exactly what he's going to do at debenhams exactly what he does at house of fraser he does all of these things he controls the cash flow and that's why he's not going to turn around to Rafa. No matter how good a manager Rafa is, he's not going to turn around and say, you go and spend what you want, mate. Well, here's your budget. Because they've got 11 million. At the end of last season, at the end of the, according to their financial accounts, they had 11 million pounds in the kitty to buy new players. Mm. That's nothing. And... Exactly. That's that's not even buying youth team players nowadays with the ridiculous valuations that everybody gives everybody. Mm-hmm. And so Newcastle are a selling club, but who have they got left to sell now? Because they've been in the Premiership a couple of years, they've got nobody left to sell to mm. net net off anybody they're going to buy. And this this will be what's happened to Rafa. It's not so much that he's not in control of it; is that he's got no money to spend there is no money to go and look at new players to strengthen the squad to replace the aging people to make it a little bit more of um make it make it better for the squad and this leads me into the favorite for the job i don't think we'll take it no i don't Mm. but but if you did it could be quite an exciting appointment but he's still got no, not going to have any money. No. <laughs> this, no. This, no. This, this, is, this is my thing. So um, I'll let you go on to it because I'm not a betting man. So I'll admit to, this is the first time ever I've typed into – I had to type. I didn't even know where to go. So I'll let you take over, James. I'm not saying you're a betting man, but you know <laughs> no, more about it than I do. No, I'm not, I'm not a betting man, but I, I do um, every now and again have a look at, at odds checker and, and just see what they mm. – see what they, uh, the um, – the odds are <laughs> um and for, currently favorite for the job is Mikel Arteta now he was very close if the reports are to be believed to get in the Arsenal job last summer um obviously as we all know he's Pep Guardiola's assistant at Man City so from that point of view if he comes with the same work ethic and the same ideals and you know the same commitment to the to coaching players that that Pep's got, if he's picked that up, it would be a very exciting appointment. And it's a huge club, and for him it would be an amazing opportunity. The problem is, as you say, if he doesn't have any money to spend, is he good enough and strong enough um, and create the the same sort of siege mentality that Rafa would create? Is he good enough to keep that bang average squad in the Premier League? Uh, you know, and it, And then if he doesn't, that's immediately a stain on his reputation, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I can understand what you're saying there, Kristen. I think he would be better, quite honestly, I think he would be better waiting for the Derby job. Um, if, he, if he's serious about leaving this summer to take a job, 
I would I would wait for Derby, and you know that's quite an indictment of um, of a Premier League club. From from I mean, me, I could be totally wrong. He might walk in there tomorrow. He might walk up. You know, he might go up to Newcastle tomorrow. As I say, it's got some amazing fans. It's got a massive stadium. They are a big club in terms of fan base, and you know, and I I, just, I don't know. I, yeah, it's other names in the running. You've got Ranieri, Gary Monk, Chris Hutton, <laughs> like he's going to go back there. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, who I think's at Bayern Nord, I think. Mourinho's in there. Sean Dyche. Um, I mean, we were laughing at some of these before we came on air, weren't we, Chris? I mean, why would Sean Dyche yeah. leave one of the best-run clubs in the league to go to, to, go to Newcastle? Well, yeah, um, this is it. You've got Slavisa Jukanovic on there, who's, I'm pretty sure, has only just taken a job uh, somewhere in the Middle East or the Far East or somewhere. Um, Sam Allardyce, really? Um, and... You know, Jurgen Klinsmann's on there. <laughs> it's just, uh, the one that does interest me, and he's quite a long, long way down, is Danny Cowley. Now, that, for him, would be an amazing opportunity, but he's down there at 33-1 to 1 at the minute, and on Skybet, this is. Um, so I, I, it might be worth keeping an eye on just seeing how the money goes on him, but the same odds as him, Joey Barton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, funny that, Rob. That was... That was <laughs> the same um, I heard you, I, I was listening to the radio just uh, an hour or so ago and he was there was a little snippet of him saying that it would be hard for him to turn it down if he got offered it <laughs> and it's like well you think a lot of yourself don't you Matt <laughs> mm. but then again it hasn't here always well yes <laughs> uh, one but, thing I will one thing I will say about Mike Ashley he's got one of the thickest skins in football oh, yeah. you know you know, it's a case of I've never seen anybody take all the flack all the abuse, all the brickbats that the supporters have thrown at him over the years, and he still doesn't care. He still doesn't give a damn. He's still going to do it. You know, it's his way or no way. And no matter what the fans say to him, no matter what the protest groups come out with, he just doesn't care, and he carries on. And I'm just thinking, you know, is this guy actually for real? Does he not actually take notice of anything that's you know, thrown at him? And that's one thing that I suppose you've got to, you know, admire him for. He, once he's got his mindset on a course, he doesn't change his mind. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> <Which laughs> not. Which is the only positive thing you can possibly say about him at the moment, at least in some parts of Newcastle anyway. But let's let's look at it the other way. We're saying that he's got thick skin and stuff, but he's also, like you say, he's a businessman. He's looking at it. And St. James's Park, or Sports Director Reno, whatever they call the place, it's full every week. So he's happy. Yeah, um, I, I believe they've taken all the Sports Direct signs down around the ground now. That was because I heard that a few weeks ago because that was fueling all the takeover talk. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to um, we'll have to keep an eye on it and, and, and see just, just what does happen. I mean, we've only got six weeks as a transfer window, so they're going to have to move quick if... There is going to be one pound fifty to spend. You know they're going to have to get it spent quick. So it'll be interesting to interesting to see. Well, eleven million quid would not buy you uh, one of the most arrogant. And I'm not going to use a lot of expletives because I don't want to have to rate this as explicit. <laughs> um, Brazilian-born people on the planet it wouldn't pay you a week's wages, would it? Um. I don't know. I wouldn't pay him a week's wages if he was the only person I could afford to, the only person I employed. 
because he's not as good as he thinks he is for definites. I think that's been proven. And now he wants to return back to Barcelona. Hmm. Now I'm conflicted on this one. Um, because when he was at Barcelona for was four years, I think he was there. He, he was fantastic. I mean, him, Messi and Luis Suarez were just the best front three I think I've ever seen. But, they were, but, they, but there you go, you've added in two other names. Yeah. And but it's they, who you play with. Exactly. Um, but they, 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 were really, they were really close off the pitch and it showed on the pitch. Um, they were always celebrating together when, when whoever, whichever one of them scored, they were all celebrating together. It, was, it, it, it looked like a really happy family. And then he decides that he doesn't want to be in Messi's shadow anymore. So he goes off to PSG for, you know, this. It's ludicrous. What, it, is the word you're looking for. At the time, yeah, it was it was it was ludicrous, and the it, transfer market is still reeling from it because, you know, you've got players, bang average players, going for 100 million euros, um, and and 60 and 70 and 80 million. So you know, it, it's inflated everybody's transfer values, um, and now, well, basically since the day after he went to Paris. He's been trying to get back to Barcelona. Um, and Cynic in me would say it's because he gets a percentage of the transfer fee, but there we go. That's the Quite quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, Daddy's, Daddy's not the most above-board people. Mm, yes, we'll uh, maybe not go there. Um, but he, um, he, he, went, he went to PSG, but unfortunately that same summer, they signed a certain French kid called Kylian Mbappe, and now he's under his shadow at PSG. So... Apparently, the shadow of Messi is maybe a bit more appealing than the shadow of Mbappe. I don't know. Um, but So, yeah, I'm conflicted because I loved him when he was at Barcelona and I hated him for leaving. <laughs> I understood his reasons if they had been legitimate. I mean, if he'd have gone there and led them to the Champions League and won this Ballon d'Or that he seems to to want more than anything else in a team sport, um, then, you know, if he'd, if he'd achieved all that and if he'd, you know then I could have understood it, but it's the way he's behaved while he's been out there. He, he thinks he's more important than the, than the team. He picks and chooses the matches that he plays. He disappears back to Brazil for carnival, back to Brazil for his sister's birthday. None of which, by the way, did he do at Barcelona. He never did that. He never went back to uh, Brazil without permission. He never went back for his sister's birthday. He was there week in, week out playing every minute of every game that he was asked to play. It, none of these shenanigans went on while he was at Barcelona. He's um, trying to get the sack. He is, I think he is, yeah, he basically he clearly doesn't want to be there anymore and he's trying to put it in a, it's kind of like constructive dismissal, but the other way around, I guess. He, you know, he's trying to force them to sell him um, and try probably try and drive down his transfer fee um, so that Barcelona would be tempted because... There's no way Barcelona can afford him, and certainly not for the 300 million that, that PSG want for him, which is just never going to happen. Um, so, would I welcome him back to Barcelona? Oh, I don't know because I, I felt like a jilted lover when he uh, when he walked out, and you know, I just I don't know if I don't know if he could come back. I mean, he is a phenomenal player, um, but yeah, he's. I just wonder if he's if he's too far into the bad habits um i mean with that barcelona they've had some 
party-loving Brazilians in the past, and uh, it doesn't usually end well. But if he goes back there, you know, he'd be he'd be back with Messi and Suarez, who who seem to keep him in line pretty well for four years before. So maybe they could get him back on track. But he'd have to do something pretty special straight away for me to um for me to to welcome him back. But he wouldn't. Would he fit in again? Because if you think that, from what I've been reading, that it would be Coutinho would be swapped effectively, uh, and they'll send Philip for Philip Coutinho. He's not had the greatest of times. He's not been as bad as everybody thinks, but he's not had he's he's not had the standout time yet at Liverpool. No. But also, they're about to sign Griezmann allegedly, mm. and so where's he going to fit in? It suddenly suddenly becomes very congested, and is he just going to be a party-loving Brazilian rather than wanting to play, uh, which is a concern. If if I was a Barcelona fan, I would be concerned that he's just coming back because it's much better weather down there on the Catalan coast than it is in Paris. I I am worried that he um, wants to come back because apparently... Barcelona don't spend enough on wages right now. Uh, 80, 80. He is taking a pay cut. Yeah, they're only getting twenty-four million a year. That's. Uh, <laughs> I don't I mean he's. You know he's going to have to to sell a hundred of his cars, isn't he? <laughs> um, but like Barcelona apparently spend something stupid like eighty percent of their turnover on player wages. So if they sign Griezmann and Neymar, well that's going to be hundred percent of their turnover on player wages. You, I just I don't understand how they're not in trouble for ffp at the minute i just i genuinely do not get it um people are saying the same about real madrid about all the players they've just suddenly bought 300 million but but the point there is they haven't bought anyone for the last two years so in the three-year rolling cycle of ffp they're absolutely fine yes they they've got 40 players on their in their first team squad and they do need to sell some but even if they don't sell gareth bale even if they don't sell seven eight other players they're not going to fall foul of ffp because they didn't spend any money in the last couple of seasons how barcelona <laughs> are not under investigation for ffp or they could be and we haven't heard about it but if they're not i'd be amazed because the the money they're spending and the wages they're paying out is mm-hmm. just obscene i mean you've got leo messi on um i think he's on about six seven hundred grand a week you've got uh, Suarez on about half a million, you know, and you've got lots of players like this on these ridiculous wages. And yeah, as you say, Antoine Griezmann supposedly on, is it Monday? I think the 1st of July, whenever the 1st yes. of July is, that's yeah. when his release clause basically goes, uh, cuts in half. Um, so the, the talk is that either Monday or Tuesday or possibly Wednesday next week, that'll, that'll be announced. And again, he's going to have to do something pretty damn special on day one for me to want him because, and not just me, uh, the rest of the Barcelona faithful, um, because he the stunt these... you pulled last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And I mean, when, as you know, I was at the, I was at the Barcelona athletic game in April. Um, and he got, I mean, it nearly made your, your eardrums burst the whistles that he got every time he touched the ball. It mean, the Barcelona fans hated him. I mean, you know, you know, in Spain and in Europe, they do the uh, when they sign a player, they do the presentation in the stadium, they do the keepy ups and the pose with the shirt. He is going to get dogs abuse if they do that for him. Um, <laughs> and he is, he is. I mean, the only way he could endear himself straight away to the Barcelona fans is that 
day one is the Clasico against Real Madrid and he scores a hat-trick. That's the only way he's going to endear himself to Barca fans. He, I mean, you thought, you'd think Coutinho's had a hard time. Oh my God, you ain't seen nothing yet. Griezmann is going to get slaughtered by those fans. They absolutely hate him right now. Just reading at some of the quotes that Neymar made when he actually joined PSG are actually quite funny now when you read them back. <laughs> and like I said, let's not forget, this is, this is pretty much two years ago. Yeah, as, yeah, as, pretty much two years ago, and his. And this is, like I said, this is quote again taken from PSG website. Since I arrived in Europe, the club has always been one of the most competitive and ambitious. And the biggest challenge, what most motivated me to join my new teammates, is to help the club to conquer the titles their fans want. From today, I will do everything I can to help my new teammates to open up new horizons for my club. And to bring happiness to its millions of supporters around the world. Two years later. Didn't age well, did it? <laughs> <laughs> it really did not age well. I think he's, in, in many respects, he took a gamble. He thought that, you know, he was going to, um, I won't say be a big fish in a, in a small pond, because PSG isn't a small pond, but given the squad, he would probably be the most recognisable name in it at the time. And he thought he could be, you know, King of the Park. You know, he would lead PSG to winning the Champions League, you know, to um, you know, winning, you know, the, the domestic title in France, you know, bringing all the glory to them. And it's just not worked out. You know, he's discovered that you know, perhaps, you know, it's not always a good idea to go somewhere where you're going to be, you know, the biggest name. And, I mean, if he does return back to Spanish football, he's not going to be, be the biggest name anymore. So that's going to be hard for him to do, and he's going to have to swallow a lot of pride to actually make the journey back and to admit, you know, OK, I made a mistake, it was a bad move. It'll never happen. So, you know, I think it just goes to show that sometimes what happens in a player's heart doesn't necessarily match what, uh, what the head can give them. And it didn't give him this one for sure. The, the big thing that worries me is that the, the Barcelona board aren't coming out and denying it. They're not yeah. coming out and rejecting the stories, linking him. And, I mean, they must be aware of them. They're in every paper in every country. So mm. that worries me. They keep saying, oh, we're not interested in Griezmann. They keep denying that, but they're not saying anything on Nemo. So it's, it's, a, it's a little worrying <laughs> because it means... Uh, uh, James, actually, it looks like it's changing as we speak. Oh really? I'm just I'm just finding something on the English translation of La Parisienne, French newspaper, that um, Barcelona club president Joseph Joseph Maria Bartolomeu has made first contact with PSG over Neymar, mm. and that's just released in the last couple of hours. So it looks I mean, like it's going to start next week. Watch the next few days. There's a there's a there's a bit of um, a bit of hatred. The, the wrong that's probably the wrong word. Um, mm between the two clubs because of the whole Neymar thing, because the thinking was Barcelona in the summer of 2017 publicly, um, publicly pursued Marco Verratti, uh, the Italian midfielder. And we're saying in the press, you know, he's definitely coming. We're definitely going to sign him for 80 million or whatever it was at the time. Oh. Um, and PSG took exception to that. And the story is that's why they then, they found out that Neymar's, release clause was 222 million euros mm -hmm. and they're like right we're paying that we'll take him thank you very much 
you want to you want to come and mess with us we'll take we'll take one of your best players um and that since ever since then there's been you know um animosity i think is the word i should use between mm. between the two clubs and i think um bartomeo would love to take neymar back from them especially if mm. he can get him cheaper mm. as well if he can get him for less than he paid them he would love that and there's no question PSG will be trying to maximise anything that they can get out of it. But think of everything that's happening at the moment, they're going to have no chance of doing it. They might just have to accept the best price they can. And if it means it's less than what they spent. You see, now they're, now they're a club that that are in danger of, in terms mm. of FFP. They do need to sell. Whether it's him or whether it's Mbappe, they do need to sell. So one of them could well leave. I think um, personally, I think personally in the long run, I think it'd be better if Neymar left. Personally. Yeah, but if if as a Barcelona <laughs> fan, I'd rather have Mbappe. <laughs> mm. The kid's insane. There is that. You see, this is the point. PSG are going to have to work out in the long run what's going to be best for them. And in this case, so they'll probably keep Mbappe because you know he's got great. He's got he's got that potential. I mean, what is he? Twenty one, twenty. He's nothing yet. He yeah, can develop into maybe. one of the. Yeah, he can develop into one of the best players. You know, in Europe, even possibly the world. But even and, even he's unhappy, and he's a he's a Paris boy. But yeah. even he's unhappy with the lack of professionalism at the club. And to be honest, I'd be very surprised if uh, next summer he doesn't board a plane bound for Madrid because he well he is the next big shiny thing. Then mm, Real Madrid mm. like like a shiny thing. Don't they um, just. So I could, I would be very surprised if next summer he isn't in the Spanish capital. Mm. I mean, PSG would have to have a really massive season, and for things to change behind the scenes at the club. By the way, you're talking, James, for him to stay, and yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to see it happening in many respects. Well, I mean that that whole thing. Um, I mean, even even the um, the chairman has come out and said things need to change at the club. Players need to be more committed, more professional, and mm. Mbappe's comments, and it's, you know, there's there's absolutely no doubt who those comments are aimed at. Mm. Uh, so I, I think if, if they get a fairly decent offer, or if they get an offer of 80 million and Philippe Coutinho, then I think they take that, and I think everyone would wind up quite happy with that, because Coutinho gets a fresh start. He's he just He's just the wrong, he was the wrong signing at the time. I said it at the time, I maybe have you know, said it to you guys. He was mm. the wrong sign. He doesn't. He didn't. He didn't fit then. He doesn't fit now. He just. He's an amazing player. But and just, Liverpool, thank just, you for the money. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, yeah, because they bought Van Dijk and, and Allison with it. So happy. Mm. Yeah. Who, who, happy who, they were happy. Who did they were happy. Yeah. Yeah. Who did the best out of that deal? You know. Mm. Um. So yeah, I mean, he would get a fresh start in France. You know, he in a less pressurized league. Uh, at the biggest club in that league, he's going to win titles, and you know he could really rebuild his career there. And mm. he's only early, early to mid twenties, I think. He's only about twenty-five, I think. Um, yeah. or is, no, no, he must be a bit older than that now. Maybe, maybe twenty-six, twenty-seven-ish. But he's still reasonably young that he can rebuild his career and then get that big move back to the Premier League or you know something like that. So he's actually a little older. Um... Oh, is he really? Yep, yeah, he was um, Philippe Coutinho, Corriera, to give his full name, born in Rio. He was born on the 12th of June, 
1992. So he's, oh, so he's just turned so, 27. Oh, yep, he's so just turned old. 27. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. That makes me feel old. Mm. But I mean, if he if he can, I mean, he, you know, his goals per game at Barcelona have not been good. You know, what is it? One one every four games which we've played with his quality is you know not that great. It wasn't actually that much better at Liverpool, to be honest. You know, he got 41 goals in 150 appearances, so it wasn't that much better. No, but, but he was uh, he was he was absolutely adored at Anfield, mm, and it, it was. I, th- I think he's just struggled with the weight of the Barcelona shirt. To be mm. honest, I think you know it, it just it happens. You know, I mean, he's he's mm. the he was the most expensive player that Barcelona have ever bought. You know, which comes with its own pressures. Is that a club like that where you know it, it is? It's twenty four seven. The media attention. The, you know, they have both Madrid and Barcelona have two sports newspapers every day, so they're always running stories. So. If you're out of form, you're always going to be in the firing line in these papers. And you know, if you if you're not if you're not performing eight, nine, ten out of ten every week, the fans are going to get on your back. It, it, it's tough. He's, you know, it, all right, he's Brazilian, but he can struggle to settle into the lifestyle. He can set, struggle yeah. to settle into um, the area of the city you live in, the city itself. Your family might not be with you. Uh, your friends certainly won't be. You, or he speaks Portuguese, obviously, but might not speak spanish particularly well um so he's human at the end of the day yeah. it, i i would love the idea of going to work live and work in barcelona i might hate it after a month because i might you know i wouldn't know anyone i'd be struggling to get by on the language and you become isolated and you know you just mm. you, people are human it just doesn't work sometimes yeah. yeah and just to bring this story all the way back to the full circle to where we started do you know who actually recommended Coutinho to Liverpool? Nemo. Rafa Benitez. Come oh. <laughs> all the way back around again to where we started. But it just goes to show that, you're right, Jim, sometimes what on the surface looks like a good move for the player, looks like a good move for, the, for, all the, for everybody concerned, can turn out to be one of the worst that they could ever make just for those simple domestic things. I mean, I had to laugh... Um, I think it was Ian Rush that said something really funny when he went to, I think it was Juventus, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he said he, he said he, he, he couldn't settle in, he couldn't settle there because it was full of Italians <laughs> or, or something along those lines. Full of you foreigners. Know, footballing wise, that wasn't Back really in. a bad move, but in terms of, you know, just the lifestyle, no, sometimes it doesn't work. And that was another case of doing so. But, you know, sometimes I think players, you know, just, do occasionally take a gamble on a move because they're unsettled of where they are. They just want to be away. They want to be anywhere but where they are at that moment. Or in, but, the, in the place of Coutinho, who was lured by the promise of trophies and then watched his former team win the trophy he wanted to win. Mm. That, was, yep. that, was the, that was the bit. So let, let's let's move on because we don't want to talk about Brazil all, all night and Barcelona. And oh, um, Well... <laughs> yeah, it gets, they are doing pretty well in the Copa America, America at the moment, um, which I don't know whether you guys have noticed. Also includes the good South American or American, let's let's say the Americas, uh, nations of Japan and Qatar. Not anymore because oh, they both out. No. <laughs> but but I just found that so amusing. Uh, they they, was, always, they always have invited teams. Mex, Mexico mm. are quite often invited into it, but yes. they, they, they never win it. 
Um, the reason the the reason they, they didn't invite the Concaf uh, people, but the Concaf Cups going on, and so uh, the USA, Mexico, Canada, and Guatemala, all these the Central American clubs said that they would send their reserve teams because they've got another cup that they want to win instead. Yeah, they've, they've awesome. got the, the gold cup going on at the, the minute. Gold cup going on. Yep. But I just found that amusing when I saw that Qatar was in there. Now, the only reason I can think that Qatar were invited, because I can't think they went through a list of all these countries across the whole world, um, is to try and get them ready because it's going to be very humiliating for Qatar when the World Cup goes there and they're absolutely slaughtered in every match. I, do you know, I've, I have watched a couple of, of the um, the 8 o'clock our time kickoffs in the Copa America and a couple of them have happened to be Qatar and they haven't looked bad, you know. They, well, they've got to fit in because it's got to show the things back home. Yeah, um, they won the Asian Games, Asian Cup, one of those two, uh, earlier in the season. Um, and even the game against Argentina, they they lost 2-0 and Argentina squeaked through the group um, with that result. But Qatar weren't terrible. And they came back from 2-0 down, I think, in a game against paraguay and i think that was the first group game and again they they looked fairly decent so they they could have a, a, a reasonably good showing at um at their world cup uh obviously it's another two years down the line so anything can happen but yeah they um they, they didn't disgrace themselves let's put it that way yeah uh, sorry i've got some noise going on in my background um <clears throat> yeah so the, yeah, it still amuses me. Um, oh, but yeah, with Platini yeah. being arrested now, maybe maybe not even going to have a, a World Cup there anyway, um, in the middle yeah, of the desert in 43 heat. Mm, that's going to be interesting. I, I did wonder that as well. Uh, I, I wonder if it's too far down the line for them to take it off them. I, I hope so, uh, because actually, like Qatar, it's not a horrible place. Um, they're not the nicest of people if you've got the wrong passport uh, but there are a lot of countries in the world which are exactly the same as that that are just not quite as rich yeah so, um, I, yeah yeah I mean that's something we could we could talk about when uh, as mm-hmm. our story unfolds because um, yeah I, I, as I say I, I think it's too far down the line to take it away from them now um, but having said that, it would be nice to see it in Spain or England or, you know, there are plenty of countries that could host it tomorrow with very little money needing to be spent on the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they spent an awful lot already over there and, in you know, there's been a lot of cost, more than just well, financial. They own, they own PSG, uh, so I'm pretty certain they're used to spending money. <laughs> um, and not the... getting much in the way of return to it. <laughs> one uh, just to throw one thing into it the reason that FIFA probably won't do anything about it is the massive level of compensation that they would have to pay yeah yeah that's the main reason that's why it would probably ne- probably still be there in two years time I'm when it comes cr- to you know kickoff it'll be played there because FIFA just won't dip into its pocket to take it away but I'm pretty certain there are plenty of European players in the depth of our winter are saying yeah we'll have a little break Oh yeah. Oh, go, yeah go, I'll I'll go to the sun for a few weeks. It's all right. You're gonna, oh, you're what gonna... do you mean? We're knocked out. Oh, I have to stay. <laughs> yeah, mm. we, we're going to suddenly see all the English players playing out of their skins at the start of that season, so they get called up for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it won't be so bad then. We might get a bit, bit, bit more quality in the football. Well, let's 
So let's talk about English players. We have to talk about the Women's World Cup. Absolutely. England Definitely. are doing pretty well. We have we have moved our recording so that we can watch the game. But, and I don't know whether you've had a chance to see all this on the news, Rob. If you saw the whole of the Cameroon game, <laughs> VAR ra- raised its ugly head uh. of making right decisions for controversial areas. But I don't recall ever seeing a team decide to go on strike in a World Cup match because they didn't agree with a decision. Mm. Um, I didn't see the game, but I did actually see a lot of the a lot of the stories afterwards, and I've seen you know a lot of the lots of the highlights about it. And I'm just thinking, well, hold on, Cameroon obviously thought that the goal that was allowed that they thought had been offside. That I'm wondering if they'd forgotten about. Yes, there was a player right on the far side that was behind the last defender. But of course, being so far away from the ball wasn't interfering with play. And I'm just wondering if they sort of temporarily forgot that that's the way the law is. You know, it's just a case of, yeah, you can be offside, but as long as you're not within about 30, 30 metres, 30 yards of the ball, and the ball's not coming anywhere near you, yeah, not offside. Oh, well, Rob, see, this is where you've not watched the games, because yeah. you can stand in front of the goalkeeper when somebody hits yes. the ball past them, and you're not offside. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I'm just, like I, said, I just couldn't work out what exactly they were getting, in, getting, the, getting themselves in a twist about, because well, I'm I think- sorry... I think a couple of them thought it was UFC, um, so that was that was the first problem, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, but I, it's, I mean, Gary Neville was was absolute gold in his. Bill, mm. Bill. Oh, he was. Bill, sorry, was absolute gold in his post-match interviewing press conference. Um, mm. I do agree with people that say that he possibly should have just been a bit more diplomatic. No, um, he was, he was mad and he said the I, right things. I think he was bang on because. Mm. You know, it it, it was dis- it was disgraceful. I mean, the uh, the VAR was ridiculous. Um, how the um, the player only got a yellow card for the elbow on Nikita Paris after mm, two true. minutes. I mean, it's right in front of the linesman, uh, the assistant referee. Sorry, she flags. She waves her flag to give the foul. So she's seen it happen. Yeah. She didn't even need to go to VAR. She should have just said she elbowed her. It's a red card. But it goes to VAR, and they give a yellow card. And that, from then on, you just knew that this game was going to just get out of hand quick. Mm-hmm. Red card there, nothing else happens in that game that happens. Um, certainly mm-hmm. not that tackle on uh, Steph Horton at the end, which could have snapped her ankle in two. I mean, mm-hmm. that was absolutely unbelievable. And again, a yellow card for that? Yeah, I, I mean, Jonathan Pearson um, and Sue, Sue Smith, Smith, who were commentating on the game. I mean, they were, or Jonathan Pearson certainly said flabbergasted. Yeah, but he said maybe maybe it's because it's so late in the game. It's like, so mm. <laughs> if that, um, if you did yeah. that in the tunnel, you would get sent off yeah, you, after the game. So yeah, you can do. Yeah. There is no such thing as too early in the game or too late in the game. No. An elbow to the face is a red card, and. Mm studs up challenge on the ankle like that scraping it all the way down the side of her leg mm. and into her ankle it was an utter utter mm. disgrace and she should be banned for mm. several several I'm, matches um, i'm just wondering if the decision was the fact it was not intentional which i think has got to be the 
was, you know, the, it was the, very intentional. Yeah, but I, but this is but this is looking back. This is look, trying to put it into the VAR context. I mean, yes, the officials saw it. The, you know, so it was you know it was clearly seen. It wasn't you know off the ball. But I'm just wondering if they'd looked at it at the VAR and thought, well, perhaps she didn't really meet. Except she didn't do it deliberately. Perhaps it wasn't intentional. You know, this is the kind of thing it should. I don't think that VAR should even have been called in for. You know, the, the, the assistant seen it, told the referee what she's seen, and then the VAR get involved. I'm sorry, but that's the kind of incident, if it's been seen by the match officials, is dealt with by the match officials. VAR has got nothing to do with that. If it's something that the play that it happens too fast for the officials to see, that's different. You know, and I can understand it for that. But for something that is obvious, clearly seen, and clearly the referee can deal with it, and it's been taken out of their hands, I think now that was one thing where it went too far. But just to update all the story, and again there's another breaking news story that I'm dragging out. In the last 15 minutes, FIFA have announced they're opening disciplinary proceedings against the Cameroonian Football Association. Um... Basically, they've been investigating the team for team misconduct, offensive behaviour, and fair play breaches. Well, yeah, that was the thing because the yep. um, the Cameroon captain, while Steph Horton's down on the ground holding mm. her legs together, is going absolutely batshit crazy, mm. pushing the referee. She's mm. just absolutely what yep. she's so angry about. I have no idea. I mean, did she think Steph Horton had assaulted her teammate Studs? I, I, just I don't get it. She should have been yeah. sent off for that because that was well. That should have been her second control. yellow card because, to be fair, in the first half where they refused to play, you yep. take the captain aside. You say you make them play. They don't play. You get a yellow card, love. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, the one thing I will defend them on is their goal that was ruled out. That is not offside in a million years. She was running backwards and her heel was offside. You've got to say, though, in the standard of refer the standard of VAR as it is currently, that was always going to be ruled offside it, it because was. she she has to be offside in truth because although she's running backwards, she's then gained the advantage by the fact that she's got the ball and puts 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 the cross over. Look, I get I get under the current laws that she's offside, but the you know as we said last week, the the law and probably the week before and probably the week before and we'll probably say for the next fifty weeks, um, the law is an ass. It's the same with the handball mm. law, it, you know. And as you said in our WhatsApp group, Kristen, why is every VAR decision a yellow card? It's mm. it's just ridiculous. I mean, there was the uh, the heartbreak last night in the um, oh, Japan game. Japan game. Japan was so good in that second half. I mean, mm. you. It's their own fault because they didn't take the chances. Um, but well, it was yeah. heartbreaking. And that wasn't a penalty. <laughs> that, mm. It's not a handball. It's just... Oh, you just. But even you if you give a penalty, why... why and this is, why, this is why I sent it. Why is it... Yeah, I did why, the booker. She's yeah, two yards away from the person who kicked the ball at her hand. What's yeah, she supposed and, to do? And it wasn't deliberate. And they keep... It, this, this thing, as we covered again last week, the unnatural position and making your body bigger. Well... Mm. I'm sorry, your arms come out from your shoulders. They make your body bigger just by being there. You can't if you, you can't do anything about them. And ah, oh, the, let's this is all, this is the thing and yeah, sorry. I think we all need to calm down. That's, yeah, we we're, we're starting uh, to act a bit like we're starting to act a bit like Cameroon here, aren't we? 
We we are. I don't know you two are. I don't know anything. Got too emotional, too wrapped up in in, in thing. Anyway, it doesn't matter anyway because it's coming home. (laughs) But I want to go back to Barcelona for a moment. Oh, I'd love to go back to Barcelona. Okay. Beautiful place. Jared Piquet doesn't like Barcelona because he went and bought a club (laughs) on the border with France. FC Andorra. And he has bought FC Andorra. Now, is this, I think as you put it, Rob, Mm. is this the Salford City of... Well, Andorra, it's a funny thing. They're all like Berwick-upon-Tweed. <laughs> oh, there's nothing like that. Well, they're they're on the border, but nobody wants them. You mean? I think that's that's the thing. So, who who do they play? Because they're their own little country. Um, they are in the Primera Catalana, apparently, um, which I think is. Oh no, they finished first in 2018-19. So the season just gone. They finished first in the Primera Catalana, which is the uh, fifth tier of the Spanish system but it's the highest league in Catalonia. And now they're going to be in the Tercera division, which mm-hmm. helpfully to Tercera, Tercera means third, but it's actually the fourth division. Because um, why not? We, we can't, no, we can't say anything like that because don't forget, we've got league, league oh, two true. here, which is well, our fourth this, division. Yeah. Come on guys. We've got to remember that. <laughs> and we've, and we've got a national league South and national league North. So yeah, yeah. I, okay, yeah. I take that. It, it, <laughs> Forget that. Mm. Forget that. Um, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, he's he's a he's a wealthy guy. He's you know he's been been playing at the top level for 15 years. He's he's got a fair bit of money. He's got production companies that make stupid videos for French footballers to say that they're not leaving a football club. Um, he's married to a very wealthy young lady pop star, um, but apparently he can only afford. <laughs> A club that was in the fifth division at the time. Um, they've got a capacity mm. of 500 at their ground. Um, mm. Is it not better? Is it not better to go with somebody like that, and then you can show yeah. that you are just natural? Because he is a naturally gifted person, yeah, and he can just show, mm. like Salford City. Not really. I know Salford's got a bit more of a um, localization to it to to the guys from the mm. class of '92, but it's still very similar. They could have gone and bought Oldham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, fair, fair play to him if he if he just you know if he just wants to own a football club, then 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 happy days. I'm, I don't I'm, I don't know what his um, what his ambition is with them. I don't know what his um, you know what his what his aims are or, or plans or or anything like that. I, uh, it, it's something that I I, I will endeavour to uh, to have a look into, but. You know, fair play to him. If if they were a club, especially if they were a club in in a bit of trouble or whatever, then and he's gone in and saved them maybe. Or it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They were bought in. He bought them in December 2018, uh, according to Wikipedia. But there's nothing there to say uh, what the what the plan is. But mm. yeah, um, it'll be interesting to to keep an eye on them. He's going to move to Wembley well, because there are more there are less people <laughs> in Andorra than the capacity of Wembley. Mm. Just reading the original news story that um, I discovered the story on the, the manager that's um, coming in. The first, the first aim is to get promotion again, and then turn professional. Oh, Gab, Gabri's the manager. He was Gabri there. is the manager there. He's, he, used to, he used to play for Barcelona. Exactly, and that's that's what he said. He says, you know, 
His first aim is to reach the Segunda Division and turn professional. I think it can be done, he said. Andorra is a country that wants to do something beautiful with football. And having a look at the photos of the stadium, despite it's only got a capacity, got 500 and odd seats, I actually quite like it. <laughs> it's just something, it's a stadium like no other. And, you know, how they would develop it, I don't know. But it just looks brilliant. And, you know, if, if Gerard Piquet can oversee this, and, you know, and the club starts getting somewhere, this is going to be something that, you know, they could, the country could actually give him the freedom of the, you know, of the entire place. And, I mean, let's not forget as well, this is the first time for about, well, for a generation that FC Andorra will be in the Copa del Rey. You know, and just think of that, you know, they haven't been there, you know, since the 1990s. And now they've, you know, they've got promotion. They're eligible to play in it again. They've got PK, you know, providing the funding. There's a fairy tale story there for in any way you look at it. And, you know, I do hope they do it. I really do hope that they do, you know, make a success of it because, you know, that's the kind of thing that you'd really, you really want in football. A little bit of a fairy tale, a little bit of, a little bit of glitter about the place, a bit of gold dust to make everything seem a little better. You know, and when you see a club like that, where you know a, a player's want got money that he wants to, you know, put back into football, and in such a place like that, it can only be good. It's going to be, you know, a hell of a great story by the end of it. Hopefully, hopefully. Well, it's been a great story today. Um, so, James, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, yeah, been great as always. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GamerJamesFM. And uh, everything that happens uh, with me there will be uh, will be on there. So yeah, bring on the match tonight. We can do it. We can beat Norway. Come on, girls. <laughs> we've, we've done it before and we'll do it again. Rob, we have done this before and we'll hopefully we'll do it again. Where can we find you on the internet? I'm still hiding behind the Twitter handle that I've managed to keep secret all these years. And at the moment, I'm just getting ready for next Wednesday when the biggest day in the non-league off-season takes place is the announcement of the fixtures and that comes up next Wednesday let's see, let's see what happens let's see who gets what on the first day of the season and that'll be my job telling everybody about it that seems very late on but you can always find us on the internet at wegoagainpodcast.com uh, you can find us on iTunes and on Spotify and you can go across to Facebook and we go uh, we go again podcast uh, but whatever you're doing I thank you for listening <laughs>